Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 28, 2016, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We're excited to announce the next Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas, October 16 through 22nd. This is a soul group reunion, so only those with at least one of six star markings are eligible to attend, namely 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Capricorn, Cancer, Aquarius, and Leo. If you feel the call of the crystals and aren't sure if you have those required markings, I'll be glad to take a quick look at your charts and let you know. Just send me your complete birth info with the date, the exact time, the place, and your current location, and send it to crystals, that is plural, crystals, at starseedhotline.com. We've been looking forward to tonight's show with Tom T. Moore because of the importance of his new book entitled Atlantis and Lemuria, The Lost Continents Revealed. Most of you listening have ties to Atlantis and will resonate with this information. And because of the strong connection between Atlantis and Arkansas, we're also pleased to tell you that Mr. Moore will be joining us for the August Harmonic Weekend Starseed Gathering in Mount Ida, Arkansas, where he'll give an evening's presentation in depth on his information about Atlantis and Lemuria. You can check out his other books and awards at his website, which is www.thegentlewaybook.com. The August Harmonic Starseed Gathering in Arkansas will be August 19th through the 21st and is open to all starseeds. And the reservations are filling fast, so please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-I-E, at starseedhotline.com for more details. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear elsewhere. And we'd like to thank Vanya and Fiona for hosting the switchboard this evening for any listeners that may have a question or comment for Mr. Moore. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, which is a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right here from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow on it. And we'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice so you know what's coming up. The Starseed hotline toll-free number is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. If you have a birthday coming up, Don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. 
And if you do want a stage two interpretation of that solar return chart, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I'd like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Hey, Anastasia. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, Starseed listeners. Great to be with you. Lots of news going on, so I better get into it. Well, the sun has gone blank for the second time this month in the weakest solar cycle in more than a century. That's right. For the second time this month, the sun has gone completely blank. On the 4th of June, the sun went completely spotless for the first time since 2011. Sunspot regions then reappeared for the next couple of weeks, but they're now again completely missing from the sun. They say that this is a sign that the next solar minimum is approaching. Now, the current solar cycle is the 24th since the year 1755, when extensive recording of solar sunspot activity actually began. Now it is the weakest in more than a century with the fewest sunspots since February of 1906. Well, astronomers have discovered something new beyond Neptune. That's right, several new trans-Neptunian objects beyond the orbit of Neptune have been reportedly discovered by United States astronomers. American astronomers have managed to discover an array of new trans-Neptunian objects. These are called planetoids that are located beyond the orbit of Neptune, according to media reports. A total of eight such objects were tracked, the largest object of which has a diameter of 800 kilometers. Finding new things in our solar system all the time now. Right. Well, I wanted to share with you a story that is concerning, but nevertheless, I think it's important that you know about it. Water appears to be the theme of kind uh, the theme of tonight's news. You're going to have quite a few water stories, and I want to start out by telling you what's going on with lakes and rivers around the world. Um, they are mysteriously disappearing. Within the last three months or so, newspapers have started reporting increasingly uh, more and more about rivers and lakes that have suddenly disappeared around the world. I have observed this in my preparation for Starseed News, one here, one there, then another one, but tonight I want to provide for you a compilation. We'll start with the Atoyac River in Mexico that disappeared overnight. They say it was drained by a giant sinkhole. Now, the water supply from that lake was cut off to more than 10,000 families for a number of days. Just a month later, in April of this year, two other rivers flowing through the exact same mountainous region of the eastern state of Veracruz, New Mex of Veracruz Mexico, also began to dry up due to the formation of sinkholes. And at the end of March, another giant crater drained out a pond and devoured up to 25 tons of fish all of a sudden in China. Now closer to us, in May of this year, Lake Griesco in the Chilean Patagonian region almost dried out within two or three days, transforming an idyllic landscape into rock and sand. People are still waiting for an official answer to their mystery. They wonder did another sinkhole or maybe a fault line cause the disappearance of this water reservoir. Now in mid-June this year, Official sources have reported an unprecedented water crisis in that same region of Chile with large lakes and rivers drying up and thus threatening communities and animals who depend on that water. 
Now, only during last week, parts of the popular Ogun River uh, in Nigeria and another lake in that area disappeared overnight. They were drained by deep holes in the ground. And moreover, most of Lake Alligator in Florida vanished through giant holes early in the month of June this year. Now, the Calabamba Lake in Colhopper has almost dried up completely for the first time in its 135-year-old existence. It has gone from the original size of 63 hectares now to only about 2 hectares wide. And then there's Lake Popo, the second largest lake of Bolivia, which has almost completely disappeared. It should also be noticed that Lake Wai, uh gosh, this is a Hawaiian name, Lake Waiu, which is Hawaii's only alpine lake, is also mysteriously disappearing. These lakes are just turning up dry, sometimes overnight. Now, scientists are baffled about this, and the fact that there are two Caribbean lakes that are relentlessly rising, and off the northwest coast of England, a new island has formed. So what is going on underneath the surface of our planet? What's happening here? Something to keep our eyes on. Lakes and rivers drying up and in some cases flowing over with no apparent reason. Well, there's a, a new study out about earthquakes in the Aleutians. And uh, they say uh, that there's a 9% chance of a magnitude 9 or larger earthquake that will strike the Aleutian Islands in the next 50 years. Now, that's the prediction that scientists from the University of Hawaii at Manoa came up with. They have a newly designed computer model that they're basing this prediction upon. Researchers are saying that an earthquake of that size could send a mega tsunami in the direction of the Hawaiian Islands and thus their interest in their study. And they talked about this threat of this predicted mega earthquake in a new paper which was published in the Journal of Geophysical Research, Solid Earth. So they used a computer model, but anyway, that's news. That's what they're saying. Well, I'm sure you all have heard about that furious California wildfire that ripped through the southern Sierra Nevada. Up to 800 firefighters struggled against this Erskine fire, which broke out on Thursday in the foothills of Kern County. It roared through the mountains of central California and eventually went out of control. Now, on Friday, local authorities told over 3,000 residents in Lake Isabella to be prepared to evacuate, and this is according to Reuters. And also close to home, the West Virginia floods. A state of emergency was declared in 44 out of 55 counties in West Virginia in the wake of those storms and floods that hit that state on Thursday night. Nearly two dozen people died, while hundreds were trapped inside of a shopping mall that was cut off by the flooding. They say it was historic and really very tragic, difficult. From the state of Pennsylvania, a story out of a Pennsylvania newspaper, which is one reason why I included it in tonight's news. Since it's a local report, I considered it to be perhaps even more credible. Now, as we all know, agriculture in agriculture, bees make the difference between the success or the failure of crops. We know that every flower needs a bee and every piece of fruit needs a bee to pollinate it. But apparently, according to this local Pittsburgh paper, uh, bees in Pennsylvania are dying at an alarming rate. According to the source for this uh, report, 
about 60% of colonies in Pennsylvania are dying off. Um, farmers and um, agriculturists in that state are asking the Environmental Protection Agency to ban neonic pesticides, just like they did in Europe, saying that after they did that in Europe, uh, bee colonies in that part of the world were able to bounce back. So let's hope that that gets done. And uh, you all have heard about Brexit that has really been on the news. It sure shook the financial markets. The London market dropped $164 billion in 10 minutes following the Brexit vote. $154 billion, $164 billion in 10 minutes. This occurred on Friday trading when the sterling dropped to its lowest mark in 31 years, trading up to 12% lower against the dollar. That was on Friday. It's a it's uh, considerably less today. Now, the ratings agency Standard & Poor's threatened to downgrade UK's rating, which has been a triple A. Uh, the financial collapse in the UK is now worse, they say, than any crisis in the past three decades. And uh, the country, as well as EU countries, lost billions in the space of one morning. Now, I will, hear, I will tell you that a few months ago, the exchange rates were at $1 to about a dollar and a half of the British pound sterling. Now, today I checked the exchange, exchange rate for the British pound is 75 cents to the American dollar. It's about a 50% drop in value. And because of Brexit, the Scottish government is considering a second independence referendum. Surely you all remember that, the, the move to, uh, for Scotland to gain independence, which failed. But now Scotland's First Minister says that the Scottish Government will immediately engage in talks with the European Union to protect Scotland's position in the bloc. She said that steps were being taken regarding a possible second independence referendum. Now, while the UK voted to leave the EU, Scotland overwhelmingly voted to remain. So we'll see what happens there. And Brexit also caused losses of the world's uh, 400 richest people. Uh, financial losses that amounted to, um, in U.S. dollars, $127.5 billion in a single day. This is according to Bloomberg. They say that rich Britons lost only $5.5 billion. The Bloomberg Billionaires Index says that billionaires lost 3.2% of their total net worth, which is now estimated at a mere $3.9 trillion. Wow. Indian Point Power, Power Plant has had some problems. The nuclear reactor unit at Indian Point has been closed down to repair a water leak. Uh, New York's aging nuclear plant, as you all have known from the newscast here, has been plagued by problems and is, has been currently operating under a temporary license. Nuclear control room operators removed the Unit 2 reactor from service on Friday morning to allow for the completion of weld repairs to a pipe that had been leaking, quote, a small amount of Hudson River water. So it's been leaking, and now they've shut it down. Well, PG&E will close Diablo Canyon nuclear plant, but not right away. How about 2025? A lot of people have been saying that Diablo Canyon has been American, America uh, Fukushima waiting to happen, and environmentalists throughout the state of California and elsewhere have long been putting pressure on Pacific Gas and Electric to fully shut down the Diablo Canyon power plant in San Luis Obispo County. And today, P 
PG&E is making the official announcement. Actually, that was uh, a few days ago. I'm sorry, last week. And uh, rather than try to extend their only remaining nuclear facility any further, they say that they will stop their operations in 2025. That's a long ways away, considering mm. the shape it's in. But there it is. Uh, environmentalists are calling this a victory. Well, from the Great Lakes region, the water wars have begun. A group of eight U.S. officials have voted to allow Wisconsin-based region to begin drawing 30 million liters of water a day from Lake Michigan for drinking water. Now, a Canadian mayor has spoke out on the recently approved plan calling this decision the end of the Great Lakes as we know them. Now, last year, the city of uh, Waukesha in Wisconsin had asked the Great Lakes uh, the states, uh, the border of the Great Lakes, for permission to divert water from Lake Michigan because their own aquifers were running low and the water was contaminated with high levels of cancer-causing radium. So they are beginning now to making preparations to draw 30 million liters of water from Lake Michigan so that people have water to drink. It's just the start. And again about groundwater. China's capital of Beijing is literally sinking into the ground, according to a recent study. An international study that was led by uh, Beijing researchers has discovered that the city is dropping by about four inches a year in some districts. And they say the sinking is occurring because of the city's depleted groundwater. They have uh, a real problem there because... Um, they use about three and a half billion liters of water every year. Now, water management has been a terrible struggle for China, and now they have drought, which has caused billions of dollars in damage, and it says, according to this resource, <clears throat> many citizens and animals uh, have suffered for lack of water in China. Well, guess what? <clears throat> the Netherlands had a huge hailstorm. We wouldn't think of the Netherlands as having hail, but there it is. This report from Dutch News says that hailstones the size of tennis balls caused millions of euros worth of damage to cars and property in the south of the, of the country uh, on Thursday. They say that these kinds of big hailstones are extremely rare in the Netherlands. In fact, I wonder if they've ever seen them before. Well, um, I wanted to share this because summer is on, and I don't know what all of you are planning to do for your uh, vacation or recreation, but I think that you should be apprised that uh, a North Carolina water park has closed after a teenage girl was killed by a brain-eating amoeba. Um, she got the disease while taking part in whitewater rafting at the U.S. National Whitewater Center. They sampled the water after this woman became ill, and the report is that the majority of 11, 11 water samples that were taken uh, turned out to have this dangerous amoeba in them. So just be advised. That was the U.S. National Whitewater Center in North Carolina. Well, here's a shout-out to all of you who say, uh, if I've got nothing to hide, I've got nothing to fear, and they can gather all the data on me they want. You know, those of us that have comments about uh, government and companies collecting information about us. Well, there's an Orwellian startup group called Tenant Assured, and it will, it will take a deep dive into your social media. 
including chats, check-ins, how many times you've posted words like pregnant, wasted, busted, no money, broke, moving back in with parents, weed or loan, (laughs) those kinds of words, and deliver to potential landlords and employers a personality score. Now, while many people already Google folks, they might uh, think about renting to or hiring, uh, this new service aggregates a mountain of information and then evaluates it. And in the end, someone gets some numbers that describe you in a personality profile. So somebody is combing through your stuff, and they will use it for lots of things. This is just an example. Um, A tenant assured, it's called. Well, the FDA has finally admitted the dangers of fluoroquinolone antibiotics, and that would be antibiotics such as Cipro, Avalox, and Levaquin. Now, these are commonly prescribed antibiotics, but they have serious side effects, and there have been serious questions raised about their safety, most notably Levaquin. Now, until recently, the FDA did little to warn doctors and consumers of the possibly deadly side effects of these medications, and there's a lot. But in 2010, Levaquin was involved in over 3,400 lawsuits, and they say about 5,000 deaths. Now, way back in 2006, the Public Citizen Research Group petitioned the Federal Drug Administration to add a black box warning to the labels of these antibiotics. And then it took them two years, but the FDA finally agreed to add the black box warning, but it didn't put anything else except that it was a risk for high, uh, for, for tendon rupture, high risk for tendon rupture. Well, there are many more side effects than that. And not only was that the only warning that they put after two years of petitioning, um, they did not inform physicians about the increased risks. And consequently, Levaquin went on to be the best-selling antibiotic in the U.S. Uh, in the year 2010. Now, also in 2010, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson & Johnson, who makes this antibiotic, <clears throat> settled over 800 lawsuits out of 3,400 lawsuits that were filed which charged that patients were not made aware of the drug's inherent dangers. Now, I am summarizing a very extensive article, and I would encourage you, if you've been prescribed these medications, to check this out for yourself. So what should we do if we are ill and we want to take an antibiotic? Should that be the option before us? Well, we need to recognize that drugs like Levaquin are overprescribed and that they are being used inappropriately by many doctors who don't realize or who aren't updated or perhaps ignore the potential hazards of these medications. And as with all things allopathic care, we really it is really up to us to protect ourselves. So we should consider we should ask the doctor which antibiotic he is prescribing and why. It's okay to ask questions. We should discuss alternative treatments or drugs with the doctor. We should recognize that these class of antibiotics, fluoroquinolones, should be reserved only, and this is why they were manufactured originally, only for severe life-threatening infections. If we have to take a drug for a serious condition, we should tell the doctor immediately if we have any odd symptoms We should read all the black box warning on boxes uh, 
that lists side effects, and it would be wise to keep advised of consumer updates when it comes to these medications. So I know many of our starseed are very holistic, con holistically conscious, but not everyone relies upon uh, herbs, so if you need an antibiotic, just be advised that these are particularly risky. And here's a story that's kind of tough to share, but it's the news. There are over 3.2 million animals that are slaughtered by the U.S. Wildlife Services uh, that were in 2015. Now, these animals are killed largely at the behest of the livestock industry and other agribusinesses. And uh, this is new data that's been released by the agency that they had to destroy 3.2 million animals. Now, there's been quite a ruckus, uh, increasing calls for reform uh, of this kind of behavior. But nevertheless, the latest report indicates that the program's um, wanton destruction continues, including 385 gray wolves, almost 69,000 coyotes, plus 492 destroyed dens, 480 black bears, 284 mountain lions, 731 bobcats, 492 river otters, and the uh, agency said that all but 83 were killed, quote, unintentionally, end quote. 3,437 foxes, two bald eagles, and 21,559 beavers. The program also killed 20,777 prairie dogs outright, plus more than 59,000 burrows of these prairie dogs that were either destroyed or fumigated. So, <clears throat> our quote for tonight. In, uh, you know, there's not much you can say, and it's a tough thing to report. But, you know, we need to be aware of this. And those of you that feel so inclined... Get involved. So the quote for tonight, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. Whoa, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that William Barclay. So remember, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. <clears throat> I thought that that quote was really an epitome of a starseed mission on this planet. It is. It is. It is. All right. Well, that's it for tonight's news. My love to all of you, from my heart to yours. Have a beautiful week. It's going to be a fascinating show tonight, Ariel. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. Well, Anastasia, thank you so much. That was uh, very helpful information, even if it wasn't easy to hear, but we need to be aware of what's going on. And we send our light to those areas that are struggling so um, let me get Lavendar's mic open here, and uh, I'm going to get your mic open in a second here, Tom. Okay, Tom T. Moore, welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We have been looking so forward to this. And Lavendar, are you, you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. There I'll take is. it away. Hi, okay. Oh, Tom, I love this book, Atlantis and Lemuria, The Lost Continents Revealed. I read it on the airplane going to Arkansas 
and I really thought I was going to pour it out of the air, airplane when I read uh, a particular phrase where you mentioned that the Atlanteans uh, went to the uh, state of Arkansas, of course it wasn't called Arkansas then, to mine crystals. It really just absolutely blew my dress up. I just got to tell you. <laughs> okay, so welcome, and let's be talking about this wonderful book. First, I I know that you've done the Gentle Way books, but how does all the Gentle Way books? How does it connect to Atlantis? Well, it, it actually, uh, um, I, I for a long time wondered why I was the only guy really pushing this fantastic modality of being able to request benevolent outcomes in your life. And um, so I had, uh, uh, I had Robert Shapiro, who is, uh, some people know is, uh, uh, has written many books uh, and is a full trance medium, uh, had um, uh, channeled an Indian shaman in, um, uh, in uh, the 1600s, uh, by the name of Real uh, Reveals the Mysteries. And so I, I asked him, well, was was my sole contract on earth to support uh, Robert's work? And Reveals said no. And I thought that was awful strange. And so a couple of years later, I went to a Dick Sutphin, um, uh psychic uh, improvement seminar in Sedona, Arizona. And so I decided during it, see if I could contact Reveals the Mysteries, because this had always uh, been uh, on my mind. And so sure enough, I was able to contact him, and I said, Reveals the Mysteries, are you there? And he said, yes, I am. And I said, oh, wow, this is great. And so I said, okay, Reveals, why am I the guy that's really trying to spread the word about how great um, this modality is that, that's better than the law of attraction and any any other modality I'd Found. He said, Tom, he said, you're a, uh, and also a, a shaman living at the same time period. Your name is Stillwater, and you agreed, uh, that, uh, you had decided to incarnate into the 20th and 21st centuries in order to reintroduce people to the gentle way. And he said, you're going, you're supposed to write books. And I said, books? I'm a financial kind of business guy. And he said, books. And so I got busy, and I wrote the first the Gentle Way book, um, within 90 days after I communicated with him. So time passes, and I'm wondering, well, gosh, if the Gentle Way dates back all the way to um, to the uh, 1600s, I wonder how far back it really dates. And uh, so finally one day um, I decided to ask. And when I asked... Uh, uh, my guardian angel Theo, who I'd started communicating with, I, I, I said, "When does it? Uh, where did it originate?" Thinking it might be a thousand years ago, and he said, "Ah, time." He said, "It dates all the way back to your life uh, on Atlantis, about 200 years before the destruction of what it, uh, he said Atlantis, but it, uh, I was to find out later it was Poseidia and, and the Aran Islands, and." Um, uh, he said, uh, uh, you were inspired to, uh, to create the gentle way um, back, back then. And so uh, he went on to tell me that I wound up migrating with 25,000 of my followers all the way to Egypt and uh, 
uh, and th- again, this was 200 years before uh, before they destroyed themselves in a horrific war. Wow. So what was your life like in Atlantis? Well, I, I was sort of a religious leader. Uh, I had a million people that were practicing the gentle way. And, and a person could practice it whether they, were, um, they followed the law of one uh, religion or the sons of Belial religion. So anybody could use it. And that's the way it works today. I mean, anybody, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, uh, you know, you name it, um, anyone can use the gentle way. So that's, it, it's all in, inclusive, and, uh, uh, and, and so I had a million people, and, and I understand that I was probably supported by donations and such um, in order to spread the word. So did you have... Other lifetimes in Atlantis, where you are a reincarnation rebounder in Atlantis, or did you just have one lifetime there? Oh no! In in the start of my book um, on Atlantis and Lemuria, um, I I said Gaia. I was communicating with Gaia, the soul of the Earth. I said, Why is it part of my soul contract to write the book on the history of these two continents? And I was told, because you were intimately involved, Tom, and had more lives on both continents than anyone alive today, and it is time for people to learn more about your world history. So I was told I had about 160-something lives on Atlantis and only 65 on Lemuria. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, because Lemuria for many thousands of years was was a very idyllic place, and so you didn't need as many lives. And they finally destroyed their continent in a, another horrific war, um, five, uh, let's see, five thousand years after um, after the islands of Poseidia and Aaron destroyed themselves. So, where was the continent of Atlantis located, and how large was it? The continent of Atlantis uh, was about ten percent larger than Australia is today, okay? And it was located in the Atlantic Ocean. Duh. <laughs> Why did they name it the Atlantic Ocean? And uh, if you were to draw a line starting at the southern coast of Newfoundland, Newfoundland or Newfoundland, depending on where you're from, uh, draw it straight across the ocean, that's at like 47 degrees, uh, latitude, and if you were to draw it straight across the ocean, the top of the of the Atlantis continent never went above that 47 degree mark. And then, if you were to draw, uh, Atlantis was in the shape of a parallelogram. If you can imagine that, so at 17 degrees longitude, that's where it started or it it was starting to turn down, and it went down, including like the Azores and Canary Islands, down to within 30 miles of the African coast, and then at 30 degrees um, latitude, it went back across the ocean towards North America. And on the western side, um, the western side was parallel to North America all the way down the coast, uh, and it had a tail 
that ended just south of where Miami is today. So there was a little tail on it that included the Bahama, Bahama Islands, and the Bahamas are remnants of, of the Atlantean continent. The Atlantean continent actually was destroyed in a cataclysmic um, uh, destruction because it sat on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and there was a line of volcanoes that bisected the whole continent, and they all blew up at one time and destroyed the continent, leaving only Pisidia, which was, um, if you were to draw a line out from just north of Boston straight out, that's where Pisidia was uh, uh, to the west of the Mid-Atlantic, and 375 miles to the south was Aaron, and that's, that was located about on a line directly out from Washington, D.C., and then there were five little islands just below that. So that's that was what was left of it. And that happened, um, let's see, that happened about 30,000 years ago. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it, you know, it was millions of people died around the world because the oceans of the world rose 160 feet, wiping out every single village, every single city on the ocean, uh, all around the world. That was that was the first big uh, raise in in uh, the water levels of the world. Let me ask you: weren't there three uh, major destructions, as Edgar Casey had channeled? Can you uh, address that? Sure. He said that the first major destruction that was actually like fifty thousand something years ago, and that's when uh, I checked with Guy on that. And that's actually when she re, uh, she moved the poles, and so suddenly, uh, and, and I've actually had people that have have remembered lives where they were living in the very northern part of the world, and it was warm at that time, but suddenly the the poles shifted and they froze to death. So, and, and that the same thing happened to Antarctica. There was actually a a, a group of people that were not part of the earth experiment and they all got frozen to death so um that was that was the first major destru- destruction the way he he described it and then after that though there were three more destructions first there was the uh, and in that first one you know the oceans also slipped and slid and tsunamis and things like that so there was a destruction but it didn't affect too many people that were already uh, living on the Atlantean continent. The, the Atlantean continent, all the continents of the world, were um, seeded by E.T. 60,000 years ago with what's called the Adam and Eve uh, model, after after they'd gone through tons of models, including the Neanderthals and, and the Cro-Magnons. Cro-Magnons had the same intelligence that we did, but they they were tweaking the the body models, so to speak. So anyway, everybody got seated 60,000 years ago, and and uh, uh, by then the Atlantean continent only had maybe at most a million people, and there were a number of people that were living not on the coast, but it did it did kill some people. I noticed that you wrote a little bit about Antarctica. Uh, that really hmm. fascinated me, especially when we see the things that, the different countries are going to Antarctica now trying to establish their their land holdings. Can you give us a little insight to what you think Antarctica is about now? 
Well, Antarctica was, you know, was a fully developed continent until uh, until the uh, uh, the pole shift, and um, uh, and of course it's you know it's going through great um, melting, as uh, as I've been told that that the oceans of the world went up two inches last year, um, but scientists have not announced that. I think, uh, from what I can understand, they're they're checking their figures two and three times. This year it's supposed to go up, um, let's see, eight inches, and and so uh, I think that following year four and a half, something like that, it's it's uh, it's going up uh, or twelve and a half. That's what it is. So it, it's going. Up, it went up two two inches, then eight inches, and then twelve point five inches the third year, and that will take it up to about two feet higher. So uh, the oceans are going to be rising, and I kind of uh, tell everybody, you know, don't live right on the water. You need to live a little farther up if you want to have a have a house that's not underwater. Right. Well, you notice that Anastasia talked about the disappearing waters. Um, yes. It just makes me wonder if some of these these holes, or that are forming, are they man-made? Or are they? Uh, is Gaia doing it? What's your feeling about when you heard that? Uh, My feeling was that you talk that, about the water disappearing. Yeah. My feeling is that Gaia did, uh, is doing that, and I, I I'm going to probably put that question on my list of questions to ask in my my uh, morning meditation sessions that I do. I, uh, I I have just for everybody's uh, knowledge. I have a, a weekly free newsletter, and um, uh, people send me questions from all over the world to ask in uh, in these meditations, and uh, and I publish the answers. Oh well, good. That's good to know. Uh, now, yeah. so, go ahead. Did the Atlanteans interact with the peoples of the Mediterranean and Africa? Yes. They they tended to conquer them <laughs> until they started having lots of problems back home. Uh, but they 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 did uh, they were able to conquer just about everyone uh, in the Mediterranean, with the exception of the Africans. And uh, Africa at that time was known as as the continent of Oz, and uh, and so. The uh, Atlanteans would send over these troops, maybe a thousand or two thousand. But if you recall, even some of the uh, motion pictures of of the British troops that were mauled by all the Maasai warriors or whatever, that's what would happen. They would send over, you know, a couple thousand troops, and they had these ray guns, and they thought they were, and they also had aircraft, um, saucer-like aircraft that had lasers, but for some reason these aircraft couldn't fly at night, and so the Africans quickly figured that out, and so they would come in and just hordes, you know, thousands of them, and and, and just wipe out the uh, uh, the Atlantean troops. I was told that I was killed twice uh, <laughs> in in out of the 160 something lives uh, because I was sent over by whoever was ruling at that time and thinking that they were going to conquer uh, uh, Oz, and and we just got wiped out. Oh, goodness. What about North America? Uh, what was the 
the interactions with the Atlanteans and the and the beings of North America? Well, the Atlanteans did Atlanteans did have some coastal um, towns and all, but they were wiped out by the the rising ocean, and mo- they had they did do explorations, but from what I understood, their major interest was in especially after the continent sank and their crystal mines that they they were mining on the continent were were sank into the ocean they needed crystals because the whole uh, all of their technology and everything was crystal powered i mean everything all their appliances uh, their cars their their aircraft everything depended on uh, these crystals and they had to have these these giant crystals like they were 20, 25 feet tall that were called posers, and they had to have them stationed every 20 or 50 miles or whatever it was. I'm not sure of the exact uh, uh, length. And, uh, and these crystals were were ginned up by magnetics, and they put out a, a beacon, sort of like a radio s- signal, and uh, and everything within their their beacon was able to run off of this crystal power. And so after the continent sank, they had they had to get serious about finding other you know, another place to mine crystals and they had they had done some explorations of Arkansas but had not really gotten serious about mining there. And after that happened they had to start mining and, and so they uh uh they they mined for a long time until uh, everyone had enough uh, crystals they didn't need anymore. But they, uh, I was told there were as many as 500 people uh, at at mining towns that in, in that Mount Ida to up you know towards the Coleman mine, 17 miles north of uh, of uh, Hot Springs, all that region. Uh, they had over 125 or 30 miles of tunnels that are still under under the ground there. And do these tunnels go all the way to it to the used to be Atlantis? No, I asked that, and um, uh, I I said, well, how did they get the crystals from from you know Mount Ida to uh, to the east coast? And I was told that their aircraft were were sufficiently strong enough to be able to handle these loads of crystals. And so uh, I, I said, well, you know, they did, uh, you know, I'd, in, in the book I'd, I had found out that they even had a tunnel all the way to Spain, you know, from the continent at one time. And I said, you know, did they just, why didn't they just dig a tunnel? And they said it wasn't needed. The aircraft were able to handle the loads of crystals, and, and so they just did it by air instead of, digging a tunnel all the way to the east coast. Give us an example of how advanced the Atlantis, Atlanteans were with their technology. Well, they were more advanced than we are today with their healing technology. They used these these healing centers, which involved lights and crystals and all that. Um, and, and so they, they were able to heal people um, using, using this crystal power. So that's one thing. Uh, uh, everyone had free, free energy. I mean, 
uh, it had its limits. So as an example, their cars didn't go over 55 or 60 miles an hour, um, but but it was all free energy. They didn't have to they didn't have to pay anything for it. So all of this energy was free. All they all of their appliances, um, uh, everything was was totally free. You know, I have some memories of the way that people slept there. I remembered that you just punched a button and the crystals would form a some kind of air pocket unit and you would you would actually sleep on air. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I haven't heard that before. I'll I'll have to check on that. That's I wish you'd check on that because I have memories of that. Okay. okay. Uh what about the second destruction? What was left after that second destruction? Okay. The second destruction, uh, now we're, okay, <laughs> I'm calling, okay, the first destruction was Edgar Casey's, but I kind of don't call that the first destruction. I call the, the sinking of Atlantis kind of like the first. The oceans rose, um, uh, uh, rose 160 feet. Then when they had this horrific war, and as I described in the book, um, uh, they were already warring. The islands were warring between each other. Poseidia was warring against the Aran Islands. The Aran Islands were, you know, couldn't stand the, the Poseidians. So they were already shooting down each other's planes and and sinking their battleships or whatever whatever they had. And uh, uh, so finally, the the Aran uh, sons of Belial said, "Well, let's let's just wipe them out totally." And so they had it was like a, a Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor in World War II, and I wonder if some people had memories of that. I don't know, but they had over 300 of their aircraft that took off from Aaron, flew that 375 miles, and attacked Poseidia with these ray guns and everything that would melt not only people but the ground underneath them, and. And so they thought they knew where all the air bases and everything were on Poseidia, which Poseidia was the size of Cuba, and Aaron was the size of Hispaniola, if people want to look look at the size of those two islands. Uh, Poseidia was more round where Cuba was long, and so uh, they attacked the, uh, uh, the air bases and everything, but they didn't get everything. And so then... The Poseidians retaliated against Aaron and the air, uh, and the smaller islands, and they went back and forth, uh, just melting, and and so the islands started breaking up. And when they broke up, this was 12,500 years ago, um, the oceans rose another 41 percent, uh, 41 feet. So you can imagine, here all the the cities of the world that were on the ocean had had sunk. Uh, you know, at 30,000 years ago or so, everybody rebuilt. They were on the oceans again, and 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 the oceans of the world rose another 41 feet. Now, this was when actually the story of Noah took place. People, uh, you know, the, bibic, uh, the biblical references were like two or 3,000 B.C., but it was actually 12,500 B.C., and, and Noah did build an ark, uh, but he didn't have wild animals. That was embellished later, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, and so he loaded up his ark, 
and and he was in a low-lying country in 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 the Mediterranean, and it floated, and eventually he landed on the lower slopes of Mount Ariat. And but you have to understand, 41 feet does not cover the whole world, and so later stories embellished it. They were saying, well, if, if the whole world was covered by water, he must have had to put wild animals in there. So that so people in uh, in Thousands of years later, they embellished the story and said there were wild animals on his ark, but there weren't. And also, uh, if people look at the biblical story, you know, one of his sons married this girl. Well, where did the girl come from? She actually was from a family that the floods did not affect. So that was where the story of Noah came from. And every major religion, including the Hindus, had that story, but the Hindus changed the names because it, to make them sound more Indian. <laughs> what what really caused the the friction and the wars to happen? Was it a religious war? Was it greed? Was it what was their agenda? It it was power. Uh, the uh, the leaders uh, wanted power. I mean that that's gone over and over in human history, and uh, uh, and, and yes, there, you know religion was somewhat part of it, but it was really greed on both sides, and uh, which which wiped them out. So that took care of the two major ones, and that so the oceans of of, of the world had risen a, a little over, slightly over 200 feet. Then when the Lemurians, the Lemurians had a continent that was over near Japan, and it was 12 percent larger than Australia is today. And it extended within uh, about 100 miles of the Hawaiian Islands. And the Hawaiian Islands, which naturally had more land at that time, um, uh, was was a vacation place for all the people that lived on Atlantis. And there were five countries, five different uh, different religions and dress and and uh, uh, you name it. And um, so, so uh, they they would all vacation over on Hawaii, which is why I think Hawaii is so imprinted with Lemurian energy. Is that because of the thousands of years that the Lemurians visited the Hawaiian Islands? Okay. And so one day I was asking, I said, "Well, did I ever have a life on on uh, Mew or Lemuria?" And it was another one of these moments where. Ah, Tom, yes, you did. You helped sink the continent. Oh, and, my goodness. And, yes, and I was told that it was the worst life of, uh, of all my lives on Earth that I ever uh, ever had. It took me 82 lives to, um, to balance that one. I was a religious leader of one of the countries, and, again, they were starting to war with each other, or, or, or had been warring with each other, is worse and worse. The countries were divided by rivers and mountains and things like that, natural barriers like you would find in, in Europe. And, um, and, and so I encouraged the leaders of my country. Uh, we had hydrogen-type bombs. Uh, uh, they actually have another type of energy we have not rediscovered yet. And uh, this energy was also a free energy to everybody, but but they made weapons of war out of it. And so they had these hydrogen-type bombs, and so I encouraged the leaders 
for us to bomb two other these two other countries that we were really at odds with uh, because we didn't none of us thought that they had the ability to retaliate, but they did. And so, lo and behold, everybody started raining hydrogen-type bombs on each other, and it broke up the continent and and sank. Wow, you were a really bad boy. I was a bad boy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and so... so I know, wanted to ask you about a little bit more about Lemuria. How long okay. did it exist? Um, it's It was uh, seated about the same time Atlantis was, but not with as many people. So it was seated 60,000 years ago, but it had a slower growth because there were not as many many uh, Adam and Eve bodies plopped down on the, the continent as there were on Atlantis. So, yeah. um, but How for, many lives did say, you say you had in, in Lemuria? 65. 65. So, and, and how many lives did it take to balance it out helping to destroy a Lemuria? What did you say the number was? I think it was 82. 82. Yeah. So as an example, I had to go back and have a life as a young kid or person when uh, when Posadia or Aaron sank. Yeah. That was, you know, that was one of the, the many lives that I had to undergo uh, having death you know, and so on. It's... Uh, and, and being killed in wars, I, right. I, I died in World War One, and uh, in the early part of World War One, I, I was a young Jewish girl in uh, in World War Two, and I, I was shot along with my parents uh, in that war. So I've I've had lots of uh, lots of deaths. Uh, back to Lemuria, when when the um, wars happened and people were fleeing and going to other places. Um, where were they able to escape to? Where where did a lot of Lemurians end up? I know that a lot of Atlanteans went to Egypt and some to South America. So wh- where did the Lemurians go? Uh, mainland uh, China, uh, you know, on uh, in Japan. Japan was very rural uh, up until the wars. They really hadn't decided. They they didn't ever conquer the Japanese people or the, the tribal people that were living on Japan. Uh, you know, it was just a place to to go and maybe do some trading or whatever. Um, it was never something that they conquered. Uh, were, so they a- were they Asians, the Lemurians? Did they have Asian um, her- um, heredity? Characteristics, yes. Okay. And from my understanding, yes. Okay. And, and so they all mixed together with, with the Chinese and the uh, Malaysians and Japanese and so on, um, so th- uh, and and there was sort of more forewarning to uh, to what was going to happen than perhaps there was at Posadia and Aaron. Um, so there there was a lot of people that were leaving the countries before they finally destroyed themselves. So yeah. they they had a little bit more time to migrate. I was told. Now, when when that continent sank, the oceans of the world again rose another 170 feet or so. So we're talking about again, you know, here 12,500 years ago, the oceans rang, uh, uh, rose and and uh, wiping out people. Another 5,000 years later, 
the oceans went up again. So yeah. that's why there's, you know, there's so little, uh, so little records of these events happening, was because so many of these coastal towns and cities got completely wiped out, uh, you know, over a period of time. Yeah. Are you ever going to be on Ancient Aliens? <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't even thought about that. Oh, I, I've been seeing the new programs, and they've been talking a lot about the, the things that are in your book, so I'm going, hmm, I wonder why they haven't contacted you already. Yeah, I think I'm under their radar. Well, m- maybe it's time to come up and, and let the world know, <laughs> because why do you think this information is coming out now? Um, well, again, uh, at the first of my book, when I asked Gaia, uh, she said that, that it's time for us to learn more about our world history. What really happened and not what people tell us happened, right? Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, as an example, the Hindu religion um, is the oldest religion in the world, but none of the Hindu people realized that it was started. And, and because my interest is, is religion, my sole interest is religion, I've incarnated every time one of the major um, religions was born. And I was told that that I had a life as the student 57,000 years ago of the man that started the Hindu religion. Now, the Hindus don't don't realize that their, you know, their uh, religion goes back 57,000 years. And another thing, that, uh, because it, it just got passed down as legends, and then... Uh, as far as Krishna is concerned, uh, they call him Lord Krishna, so I'll, I'll use that term. Um, uh, they don't know that Krishna, about 30, 31,000 years ago, whenever, uh, actually incarnated 77 straight times as Krishna. Uh, so in other words, that would be similar to like the Dalai Lama today. And so uh, I would... And I was told that Krishna gave the Hindu religion structure, and I don't think I don't think people realize that in the Hindu religion today, and um, and, and that I, I would incarnate every few lives of Krishna to see how he was coming along. I'd be maybe a friend, a student, even a rival or antagonist at some point in order to assist with his development. So that's. You know that was some of my lives that that I would have. Well, interesting. You know, um, when I when I lived in Georgia and I was around Atlanta a lot, and I would see these big corporations coming in with their scientists and their technologies, and I thought, you know, this may be the forerunner of Atlantis. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, I started oh, thinking that way back in oh the early nineties when when yeah. the new technologies were starting to really gin up our planet and uh, yeah. I just I have a feeling that a lot of old Atlantean scientists are still living in, in Atlanta, Georgia have you mm. run across any in that area? No, I, I certainly have people that, you know, subscribe to my newsletter and all that that uh, you know, regularly communicate with me from, from Georgia <laughs> that area but, uh, but that's that's all yeah. Okay. Well, I I have really enjoyed reading this book and 
and um, I just got so excited when I saw that you had really uh, dovetailed your stories with some of the information that we have about Atlantis and about Arkansas and about crystals, and and it's going to be wonderful to have you come and be with us in August uh, right. for those and three I'll days. Take- We're really looking forward to it. So at this time... Uh, my co-host is Arielle, so, and she has the switchboard. Would you be willing to answer some questions, maybe that we have um, some people on the switchboard might want to ask you? Sure, And but before we do that, I, I, let me mention that I will be putting on a, a much longer, obviously, presentation uh, uh, in Arkansas during that weekend, and yeah. so everybody will be able to learn a lot more uh, about the history of of Atlantis and Lemuria and and the gentle way and so we'll we'll have a great time. So I hope I hope That's a great. lot of people We're really will join us. Really looking forward to it. So at this okay. time I would like to um pass you over to Ariel. Ariel, are you there? I sure am. Hey, so so nice talking to you, Tom, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, thank great. you. Great, thank you. Wow. I'm just I'm just fascinated um you know when we were in Arkansas just this past May for the Crystal Quest Lavendar had your book, and I mean, she she read whole chapters to us, and I was just enthralled at the edge of my seat because it just like it sounds so right and so true to me. So, thank you for the Great. work that you've done. Sure. So the, um, the book has more about Atlantis and Lemuria than any other book that's ever been written. I can say that. I think. Well, yeah, and you just. We don't hear nearly as much about Lemuria. So, and and from from what I gather, just from what you said this evening, is that they existed um, in the same time period. Um, I mean, did, what, did they both start at the same time, or they kind of overlapped? They they both started about the same time. Maybe Lemuria just slightly slightly later, but uh, again, Lemuria was was seeded uh, with fewer humans, and so it took. Uh, it took longer for them to build up, but they built up over. I think uh, in my book I said something like over 30 million people or so. Wow! And did uh, was the um, end destruction for both of them in a proximity of time? No, it was um, uh, the final destruction of Poseidon and, and Aaron was 12,500 years ago. And the final destruction of uh, of the Lemurian Mu continent was uh, seven thousand five hundred years ago. Oh, so they lasted so they lasted, longer. They lasted five thousand years longer. Wow. So that I mean, it's just I just think it's it's fascinating, and I know um, our audience, so many people uh, that we do readings for, have the the star markings for Atlantis. And uh, so I know that they're going to really, really love to hear your material. So if you want to get the whole um, the whole presentation, uh, we'll see you in Arkansas for the August yes. um, August weekend. So um, I want to just let people know if you are already on the switchboard, and we do have a lot of people on the switchboard this evening. If you have a question or a comment for Tom, you'll need to press one on your keypad so that we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on the computer, then you'll need to dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1 
so that we know you want to come on the air. And um, it will probably take a, a few minutes for um, for that to take place. But we encourage you, you know, if you've got a question, don't be shy. Step up and, and uh, push one. So tell us more. Uh, I mean, this I know this is kind of like the, the thumbnail version of, of what's in your book, but is there a part of your book that you were um, maybe surprised to hear? Um, other than the fact that I was a bad guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I you know what, Tom, I didn't like we've to all, hear that. <laughs> yeah, we've all, we've all had um, lifetimes where we had to learn something the hard way. Um, yes. But, you know, I mean, about Atlantis, and um, I had heard um, oh, somewhere some time ago that a lot of the buildings were round and with, uh-huh. you know, like crystals on the walls and crystals on the streets. Um, is that um, what you saw as well? I I asked, and I was told that that most of the people lived in apartment type buildings, okay, and that only the the richer people lived in houses, and most people used um, used uh, like general transportation, like buses or streetcars type transportation that hmm. um that the cars and all were more for government use and uh, so it was um and, and also I was kind of surprised their education and maybe it was because they uh, over thousands of years they learned how to educate their people faster than we do today because I have been told that in the future we will be able to impart knowledge to people that we haven't figured out how to de- how to today now whether that's using crystal skull caps or something I don't know but but uh, m- most of the children only uh, only were educated through about the age of twelve or thirteen or so and then they went out and worked and and so they also had earlier marriages. Wow, interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you um, if you heard the show last week, but um, uh, Lavendar had recorded her Atlantean material, and it's just it's so congruent with yours that uh, that's another reason we're so excited because it it's uh, you know two separate sources with the same information uh, really adds um, credibility when uh, when you hear it. Um, but she right. did talk about the education system uh, of having uh, it was like a like a headband with with crystals and other stones uh, that they they'd put on the head and and in a matter of minutes um, learn what it would take us to do for, uh, like a year to do. Mm-hmm. So that was like yeah, real just like almost a, a download of some kind and, into and the I, brain. And we're gonna we're going to rediscover that in the future. Uh, or, or at least something similar that will be able, you know, because keep in mind, I mean, I've, I've gone out, I, I know my next life on Earth will be in the 3400 era. For some reason, that's going to be a very important time because I'm actually going to have two lives. I'm going to have a life first as a female space pilot that will go out in one of 17 Earth starships. We will have figured out how to travel to the stars uh, or to other planets by then, and 
Then after that, I'll have a life in the 2600 era to to prepare people to go to the stars in some form or fashion, and then I'll go back to the 3400 era, but I will stay on Earth. So obviously, that 3400 era is going to be, you know, something is going to be very interesting about that. Wow. Well, and, we have and, our first caller and, and ready meantime, to go. Leading, yeah, lead, I'm sorry, leading up to that, I, I meant to, uh, to make the point that, that um, as we progress over these hundreds of years, they're going to come up with ways uh, for people to learn faster, and, and that's probably going to be just putting on skull caps or headbands or whatever it happens to be and, and getting a, a large amount of knowledge about a, a subject in, in, who knows, five minutes, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. an hour, who knows, but, but in some short period of time. Wow. So we have our um, our first caller ready to go, and you're going to be talking to Aaron. So let me get your microphone open. Hi, Aaron. You're on the air with Tom Moore. Hi, Ariel. How are you? Hey, Aaron. Good. What a fascinating subject. I've I've actually been kind of stuck on Atlantis lately. <laughs> so I was really I was really excited when when. Um, when I got the news about Tom coming on and I wanted to ask him a question about some information that I'd been getting and see if he's got, if he knows anything about it. Go ahead. Hi, Tom. Tom. Hi. Aaron. So I I'm, I am a native Texan and there is, I've been getting information that there was a settlement of Atlantis that was, off the coast of what is currently Galveston by about five miles, and it would have been a very it would have been a small island, but that there were pyramids there that pointed to Sirius. Um, and then, of course, after it, it, it sunk with everything else when the waters rised. And then I'm going to say about twenty twenty thirty years ago. Um, a very well-off family came in and built three glass pyramids on the coast of Galveston Island um, that also that are that are supposedly in the exact same alignment as the pyramids that sunk. They are glass and they point directly towards the Sirius star system. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar. I think someone's asked me about about the ones. Uh, you know the glass ones at at Galveston, and I've said, "Gosh, I mm-hmm. wish I'd known about them when we were when uh, my family was down there. I would have probably visited them." Uh, I just can't remember what what the information is. I don't I don't think I've ever asked a question um, uh, about uh, pyramids being built on an island off the coast. That's that's um, that's something I, I'll need to ask. That's that's okay. why. I, you know, I, I've asked thousands and thousands of questions since I started doing this in in uh, about 2005, and mm-hmm. and I, people keep coming up with with more questions than I keep asking. So, my my newsletters. When I first started my newsletters, I thought, well, maybe I'll be able to do one every couple of months, and you know, now they're they're weekly, and typically they're they're 12 pages long. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of information. 
Wow, wonderful. Oh yeah, I was just wondering if you had if you had come across any information on on this particular area. So, because the pyramids, the pyramids here in Texas are even though they are glass, they mm-hmm. are very they're very powerful. Um, you know, and of course they're disguised as aquariums. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but you know, they're a tourist attraction, but if if you are any kind of sensitive to energetics and you're you walk into them and you get you get away from the fact that they're an aquarium or an indoor rainforest, you know, butterfly museum, you know, you walk in there and if you, as you move through the building, it's something about the way that the light comes in and the energetics come in and basically it, it recharges and it's, it's a beautiful energy inside those pyramids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you. I just wanted to know if you had had any information on that. Yeah. I, while, while you were uh, talking, I tried to pull it up quickly on my, uh, on my computer and and it, it it wasn't coming up quickly so sorry <laughs> it's all right gosh well sign up for the newsletter and uh, for sure that'll be a, a a question that Tom would ask um, and publish right yeah. Tom it, right exactly and uh, my my website is www.thegentlewaybook.com and if you click on articles and news um all my my newsletters all the way back to 2007 are archived there and wow, uh, okay. start with the newest ones and kind of work back if you wish and, and also I have uh, one of these Google search boxes on the page okay. and you can type in something and see if uh, see if uh, you can find anything on it Okay great thank you so much and Tom uh, Sure and on the home page there's a little blue box off on the right hand side just click on the link and and sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Great. Thank you. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Ariel. You are so welcome, Erin. Thanks for calling in. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Interesting. So um, the Atlanteans knew about pyramids and the and the pyramid energies, didn't they? Uh, yes, and uh, probably I just haven't asked enough questions. I've asked a lot of questions about pyramids before, like, uh, you know, as an example, the Bosnian pyramids, are, uh, which are uh, the Pyramid of the Sun uh, at, uh, in Bosnia is a third taller than the Giza Pyramid, and, um, uh, and there are miles of tunnels underneath. Uh, that they've been able to excavate. And every summer they have a digging season where people volunteer from all over the world to come and spend two weeks per shift, so to speak, uh, in in uh, uh, excavating this pyramid because uh, the pyramids uh, in this complex in Bosnia that are 26,000 years old um, were all covered with like three or four feet of dirt and vegetation where you know, in uh, in Egypt, it was sand, and and you know, uh, certainly part of the Sphinx was covered and everything with just drifting sand. But but it, when you had regular rains and everything, uh, the soil just built up on top of these.
pyramids in Bosnia. So there are pyramids all over the world, and, and the one in, in Bosnia has a beam of energy they've been able to measure. And, and what's amazing about it is that if you measure it right at the top of the pyramid, uh, then measure it a little bit higher, the energy grows in, in, in force and in, uh, in, mm-hmm. in power. So, yeah, we had um, Dr. Sam um, Osmanagic. Uh, Os- uh, he, he was uh, Osmanagic. Yeah, um, I, I, he, I he was on our show. He's, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sam is a good yeah, guy. Yeah, well, that's why everybody calls him Dr. Sam. But yeah, yeah. Uh, when he was on our show talking about the age of those pyramids, I thought, well, that Atlantis was was still here then, and I wondered if there was a connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think there was a connection. Uh, the people that built the pyramids, um, uh, you know, sort of covered up uh, and stopped up the tunnels and things like that uh, when they left uh, to protect them. So it was done uh, with ET uh, assistance, from my understanding. Yeah, well, I think that's the kind of like the general general consensus but yeah um yeah, dr sam was talking about the 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 ion negative ion level inside it was just astronomical um yeah yeah so it's I, still I wanted working. to go there I, I was trying to talk uh a friend of mine into doing a documentary they were thinking about doing a a whole series on extraordinary stuff and i said i guarantee if you go over there you can uh shoot enough uh, footage for two full hours, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that'll be worth your while to go. And they just couldn't get the money to uh, to do the series, which was a shame. Well, it'll happen sooner or later from some somewhere um, because that's it's uh, he's really got a lot of support and he's using um, he's not beholding because it's not a a, a government. Sanction dig. Uh, well, maybe, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but he uses volunteers so that yes. he can, you know, maintain control and integrity. So uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I just want to remind anybody that might have a question or comment, if you are already on the switchboard, you'll need to press one on your keypad, and um, if you're not on the switchboard, then dial nine one seven eight eight nine. 8292, and then once you're in, press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. And sign up to so, come to Arkansas and, and have fun with us digging for crystals and and uh, all the presentations that are going to happen. Well, absolutely. You took the, took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> when, when Atlantis went down, did they, didn't they take their master crystals back to Arkansas and bury them there. Well, I, I do know that that uh, certainly uh, uh, one or more of the crystals was moved. I don't know if it was taken to Arkansas or or put somewhere else, but um, it was put pretty deep where where uh, it couldn't be found for any any time soon. And and then those Atlantean master crystals carried records and information, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. 
Right. So that then, and, and, in and all turn, crystals. Yeah. I, right. I, I've but, been I mean, told these, go ahead. I was just going to say that these these crystals in particular that that hold Atlantean records being buried in the the most powerful crystal vein on the planet has imparted uh, maybe like through osmosis or something, but has passed on these these records to the crystals in Arkansas so that yeah when when you when you go digging um in that area um it's quite likely that you would find a crystal that had that was holding atlantean records and and, and a side note now um as i mentioned you know the crystals do hold information but it it sounds as if they're they're continuing to acquire information because i was told that the crystals that I've been able to um, to dig up and find in in Arkansas previously um, are somehow going to uh, to give information about my work someday. Well, you know, sure they they continue to record, um, right? Because I mean that's that's what that's what crystals do, and uh, um, and then amplify the energy. And um, I, I noticed that in your book you were very careful um, not to uh, describe in too much detail how the Atlanteans used the uh, um, extra uh, magnetics to um, empower the crystals or to, to make them do what they do, did then but are not doing now. Is that right? And, and, <laughs> not a very and, good yes, and, sentence. But. And and part of it, you know, is that it's it's supposed to be one of those aha moments for for somebody to figure that out, mm-hmm. uh, how to you know gin up these these crystals. So um, I, I'm always told if I'm if if it's going to interfere with someone's soul contract to uh, for their discoveries and all. Um, that they they can only kind of give me general information. The other reason, of course, is that you know I got a, I have a degree in finance. I don't have a degree in any scientific you know whatever. And and so sometimes they they have to dumb down the answers for me because mm-hmm. I just don't have the background, the, the scientific right, background right. to understand it. Well, with the with the um, the lack of of spiritual wisdom. In the um, technology field, um, yeah, yeah th- that's that would just be uh, a recipe for disaster because we're not we're not ready to to be responsible for well, um, I, for yeah, I am told that. Keep in mind, once we passed that vibrational level in 1987, called the harmonic convergence, I believe, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. we reached a vibrational level where we will never destroy ourselves again. And so there are people that have been very wary. They, they, they don't want, they haven't on a subconscious basis not wanted to rediscover crystal power because of the destruction that it brought. And, but we will, we will never use it to destroy ourselves again. So that's the good thing. There's still conflicts. There's going to be conflicts for you know, maybe several hundred years, but uh, but they'll become smaller and smaller, uh, and they will 
that will not take over a whole world. Right, right. And that's, I mean, that's really good, you know, um, and I understand what you're saying. And actually, um, when I'm when I'm talking to, to people on the phone, when I see the mark of Atlantis on someone's chart, um, you know, there is rites of passage where crystals are concerned. But sometimes, I, and they'll say, oh, I've never wanted to touch them. And that's yeah. exactly, you know, what you're saying is that there is such an inherent respect that, um, you know, unless you unless you are fully conscious of what they are and how to handle them, a lot of people with these Atlantean records, they just don't, they don't want to have anything to do with crystals. Right. And, um, and you know, yeah. go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to mention that, uh, and, and you, you probably mentioned this on the show before, but, um, uh, you know, if for the people that, that do come to Arkansas to dig for crystals or, you know, even if they come at a different time or whatever, um, uh, if you pass your hand over uh, over a bed of crystals or, or, you know, various crystals, there will be one or two that you'll feel, if, if it's your left hand, your receiving hand, and you pass it over, you'll feel a little tickle on your hand. And those are more attuned to your body. And so those that would be the ones to, you know, if somebody's just buying it in the crystal shop, you know, go for go for the crystal that you can you can get a feeling for that'll be more attuned to you. Well, that's that's really helpful information, and and possibly you know, um, the people that have the the marks of Atlantis on their chart or or any other marks for crystal mastership, um, they'll know. You know, right. when they when they are in the presence of a crystal that is, you know, resonant with them, they'll just know. Right, and and you know when when you do go crystal digging, I mean it's just like when my family and I went crystal digging at the at the Coleman mines north of Hot Springs. I requested a benevolent outcome uh, to find, you know, uh, great crystals and large ones, if possible. And uh, so the first time we were there, uh, we were digging. We were getting lots of smaller crystals. It was so much fun, you, you know, getting dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to bring, old, bring clothes that you you can throw away. You know, go go to the Salvation Army or something and buy some <laughs> buy some clothes that you don't mind. And uh, and so we were digging away, my family and I, and and but you know I just wasn't finding any large crystals. They were they were lots of smaller ones, and and then it, and I then it started to rain, and I'm I'm getting so disappointed. I thought surely I was going to find you know this great crystal, and and so it's raining. My whole family goes back to van. I'm still out there, and and so uh, I finally gave up and I said okay I I guess I'm not going to find it today. And so I started walking back towards the van, and there, I mean, I would have literally tripped over it, was this big granite block with a whole bed of crystals laying right on top of the ground. And it had obviously been covered with so much dirt and everything that it took the rain to wash uh, wash the, the dirt off, and the crystals, there was still sunlight out from you know, from beyond the the uh, the shower, and it it sparkled on the crystal. And I looked down, and I thought, 
you know, I looked around, is this somebody's, you know? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> and it was so heavy I could barely carry it back to the to the to the van and, and that one sits right outside my office. I pass by it every day and if I need extra energy I'll just put my hands on the whole bed and I, I work my hands all the way around the whole bed because it's large enough to that I can't cover it with with two hands and uh, so that's that was my first big crystal find so much fun oh it i mean it's, there's nothing like being you know the first person to uh to unearth a crystal and uh and you know sometimes um <laughs> especially where crystals are concerned um the size doesn't really matter it's about the clarity and you know yeah. there's some some tiny little crystals that are very powerful and then there's some some big ones that are a little milky and they're not as powerful. So, mm-hmm. but Arkansas has got them all. Well, know, they the have big it. ones, the little ones, the the. Uh, I mean, and even in in the Mount Ida area, at the place where where um, where we have the the crystal gatherings, uh, there's just like that the, you know the white kind of crystal base rock, the ones that they the the rock that they come up out of. It's just laying uh-huh. everywhere, and if you walk walk along, you're going to find crystals, you know, on the shore of the water because there's a huge vein under Lake Washita. So oh, consequently, the the water in the lake um, is is like very much charged by this this huge crystal vein that goes right under the right. lake. Yeah, yeah it, somebody it's on very, my on, somebody on my Facebook page. Today or yesterday, one of the two, um, and I'm listed as as Tom T. Moore. I have two pages. If you'd like to to go to my Facebook page, you can type in Tom T. Moore author, and you can like uh, like it, and you'll you'll get all my notices and everything. I also have a personal page, Tom T. Moore, and someone uh, today uh, posted this picture they had taken at the Coleman Mine store. And this bed of crystals was like eight or ten feet long, and about it, it appears to be five feet high. That, mm-hmm. that I've seen it, and it's absolutely gorgeous. In in years past, um, you know, when when we were there, typically, uh, you know, the Coleman mines will will bring up a, a front end loader full of stuff, but that's all the little stuff. When they find a huge one like that, it, it's mined professionally. And they'll sell it to a bank or, uh, you know, some building lobby right. for ten thousand, fifteen thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, on uh, on Fisher Mountain, where where um, it's our favorite place to go, it's it's uh-huh. not commercially mined, and and the crystals are very happy about that, and they are just water clear. Beautiful, strong, pure. Um, wait till you see it. So um, this has just been a I fascinating show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, everybody, if you if you're interested in uh, in joining um, Tom at the August Harmonic Starseed Gathering in Mount Ida, you'll need to send an email to Tammy, which is spelled T-A-M-M-I-E at StarseedHotline.com. Um, and make sure you reserve your spot because they are filling up fast. And, so and it is, is very just, limited. You might mention to everybody. Uh, yes, it is. It's it limited is limited. Space. There's only there's only so many um, people that we can fit 
in that hall. So um, um, don't don't waste any time. But this has just been a, a wonderful, informative, and exciting show. So happy that you are part of our family, and um, and coming to Arkansas in August from the 19th you to bet. the 21st. I'm, and I'm once looking again, forward to so. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. And your website is thegentlewaybook.com. So everybody check it out and uh, get a copy of Atlantis in Lemuria. It is spellbinding. The so Lost Continents that, Revealed. Atlant- the Lost Continents Revealed. That's the full title. So, Tom, I thank you so much for joining us this evening. And um, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, we wish you a great week, uh, a safe holiday, and until we meet next, do remember to count your blessings every day. Good night, everyone. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Thanks, everyone, in case you're still there. We're still here, but we're going off the air. (laughs) Okay. You're welcome. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. Bye-bye.